The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and proud member of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. I'm your host and expert layman, Matt Goodwin, and I'm joined by my co-host and your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. On this episode, we will take a look at what playoff performance can mean for player perception, especially as it relates to next year's ADP and draft capital investments. We will also talk a little bit about the Mets players booing their fans in response to being booed by their fans. But before we get to all of that, Alexander, how you doing? Hey, Matt. I'm not doing too bad today. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty well. We had uh, school start again this week by me here. So uh, today was the first day with the kids. That was a good start. Nice. Uh, to fulfill our weather quota, I am currently sitting in the remnants of Ida with uh, tornado watches. So if this pod gets cut short... Uh, I guess uh, we'll have to figure it out another time. Hopefully it's because power went out and not because my house got blown away. Um, I, I hear that you uh, you had some experience with Ida yourself. Yeah, um, there was this fun thing that came through D.C. at about uh, 3.30 in the morning, um, Tuesday night. Uh, enough lightning that made it look like, like the fire alarm was going off at the neighboring <laughs> apartment. Like, just like... Every half second, another flash happened at about three thirty, and um, that's intense I and had... terrible timing. That is not yeah. when you want oh, yeah. something keeping you awake. Yeah, I, uh, I think I, as a result of that, like didn't go back to sleep for about another hour and a half. So I got like two, two and a half hour chunks of sleep, and mm. uh, I really, really, really hate Hurricane Ida as a result <laughs> of that. Indeed. Well, the last time that we spoke, we were doing early recording because Henri was coming towards me. That turned out to be kind of a nothing burger for our side. Uh, I know mm-hmm. some people did get hit, so I don't want to be too flip about it. But for us, it was it was far less intense than it was supposed to be. It made me feel a little silly for all of the prep that I had done, but better safe than sorry. And here we are, bookended, now recording with the remnants of Ida hovering over. And it does seem as though the remnants of Ida might actually hit us harder than uh, Henri did with its landfall not too far from here. So weather be weird. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's it's kind of been a, a little bit strange around these parts. Um, I want to take a moment here before we get into the crux of this episode to just uh, say we have moved to the Pitcherlist main feed. So you can find our show where you've always been able to find it on our feed, uh, iTunes and 
Spotify, all those places. But uh, we are also now, our episodes are being picked up on the main feed as well. So there may be some people who haven't been with us for the full 30 and now 31 episode ride. Uh, so for those of you, I just wanted to take a moment and say, number one, thank you for listening. Uh, and number two, I want you to know where you can find us on Twitter. We can find the show um, where you can send us some emails because the more we hear from you, the more we can incorporate that stuff into the shows. We'd love to maybe do a mailbag at some point, especially as the season mm-hmm. winds down. Uh, so I'm just going to run through that really quickly. Uh, I'm on Twitter at the court Matt. Um, Alexander is on at chase rate, uh, chase underscore rate. Do I have that right? Let's, let's make sure we get that right. Unfortunately, there is an underscore in there. There is an underscore. So let me say that again and make sure we get it right this time at chase (laughs) underscore rate. You'll find Alexander. Uh, you'll find our show at dugout study hall and please send us some emails, uh, dugoutstudyhall at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you and, and get some back and forth uh, and, and some conversations going about stuff that, that you want to hear. Hopefully, we're doing such a good job uh, that uh, you're interested and engaged in everything we have to talk about. But if there's something you're itching for us to discuss or a topic you want us to tackle, uh, something you want us to try or do, uh, we are game. So uh, let us know so that we can uh, get that into the rotation. Yeah, one of the fun things about uh, there being more people to bug us is, <laughs> well, you know, most of the things that I think get me uh, interested in, like, a player or whatever, is just, like, someone has a question, and then I'm like, oh, that should be obvious, and then it isn't, and four hours later, you're, like, not asleep. <laughs> um, so, you know, even, like, the most tangential and uh, kind of out-there questions usually are based in something worth asking. And so if you've got a weird inkling about a dude or an out there opinion based off of like one start or something like that, that you're curious about, um, we're definitely the type of people to just go off and figure out where that takes us. Uh, For so sure. I'm happy to hear any and all of those. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, our, our whole premise here is to try and come up with a question and then follow that down a rabbit hole, uh, sometimes with great specificity and sometimes more generally with uh with applications to other people or other situations in the league. But so we're, we're down for anything. Uh, so again, I'll, I'll just, uh, for the email, it's dugoutstudyhall at gmail.com. And we would absolutely love to hear from you. Um, with that, let's move into our bell ringer for today. And this is going to be another guessing game. So um, I like to play stump Alexander. Um, when he asks me questions, I never get them right. So this is my revenge. Um, and, and Hey, if you want to send us an email along that path where we we try and stump Alexander, that's also fine. Um, so I'm going to give you some stats because what we're going to talk about today is kind of, you know, we're, we're getting closer to the playoffs and, and what we're going to talk about is what the information we're going to get from the playoffs means, what it doesn't mean, what it could mean, how it's going to maybe impact our behavior, our choices, our prep for next year. Um, whether it's conscious or unconscious, where where that influence might be and where it's going to come from. So let's start talking about uh, some stats from last year's World Series. And I want you to try and name this player. Uh, Again, this is only the World Series. Obviously, teams that made the World Series played in four series in the playoffs, and this is fleshed out to be just the World Series. Uh, Stats in other series were uh, equally impressive. Um, but I, I will hit you with these stats. So the batting average in the 2020 World Series, six games worth of of, uh, of data here, small sample size, mm-hmm. but still, that's mm-hmm. kind of the point here uh, uh, with, with talking about playoffs. 2020 World Series, 
batting average 364 obp 462 slugging 773 ops 1234 ironically uh 1.234 uh, I, I will go through those again for listeners at home since you can't see them on your screen like we can uh batting average 364 obp uh, p 462 slugging 773 ops 1.234 who is this player alexander chase I'm assuming you get like one and a half guesses at most here. Um, God. Okay. So my my gut tells me it's Corey Seager. Uh, that's based on nothing at all, other than the fact <laughs> that I drafted Corey Seager in a lot of places, and uh, it didn't really work out this year in redraft. Hmm. And then I bought him in like Dynasty Leagues mid-year while he was injured, and that still hasn't worked out for me either. At so, least in uh, Dynasty, there's still time. <laughs> there's still subsequent yeah, seasons I, for that to work out. No, it's not Corey Seager, but I do like the way you're thinking. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and help you a little bit. Move a little bit more into the spotlight. This is not a trick question. Oh, oh okay. Well, this has to be Randy Rose. Yeah, it right? is. Yep, that's oh, who it okay. is. Okay. Uh, so the reason that I wanted to bring him up uh, for uh, for our number of the week, and those are numbers of the week, multiple numbers of the week, um, was I think that he is in kind of an extreme example that we know at this point, a bit of an extreme example of how things can go wrong with taking playoff information and letting it uh, influence you too much in terms of changing an ADP. Uh, in in the subsequent or the following year. So we're not going to necessarily just spend too much time talking about him, but I do think he's a good place to start to kind of, uh, for proof of concept, what we're going to talk about here. So what else do you have to say about uh, uh, Mr. Rosarena from uh, the Tampa Bay Rays? Um, I want to first and foremost uh, do my job wherever I can and plug that Trevor Huth was really into Randy Rosarena before he was on the Tampa Bay Rays roster. And did a really fantastic job of calling out how good he could be whenever he was still um, waiting to be traded in St. Louis, if that makes <laughs> yeah, sense. Right, that's right, right, right. Their, their track record of just developing fantastic talent for the rest of the league is just chef's kiss. <laughs> um, so good job, Huth. Um, also, I, I think one of the really confusing things about a Rosarena is that like, he absolutely murdered a ton of baseballs. Mm-hmm. There wasn't like any... like exceptional luck involved in, in this weird way and like yeah he murdered a bunch of baseballs like you got to be a little bit lucky to get those pitches i guess or like be that hot at the right time but it's not like they crept out or like he had like some yeah, really right, right. unfathomable like line drive rate like i usually have to call out he was just really good yeah um and it's so hard to figure out exactly what to learn from that other than that sometimes people just are really good at the right times uh he hasn't been that good this year um, I've still liked watching him. Yeah, and sure. That was still one of the coolest things to watch, like ever. Yeah, it was. It was year. amazing. It was unbelievable. Um, if we look at what he's done this year, does it line up more with what the the stuff from the minor leagues said he was going to be? Do we see a little bit more of a correlation? I mean, is this? I guess my what I'm really asking is, is what we've seen this year proof of look where the track record is longest and the sample sizes are biggest. I'm, I mean, you just expect that everyone's going to come back to Earth a little bit. 
Well, um, sure. I don't think anybody of, was drafting him thinking he was going to end the season with a you know a three seventy batting average and and you know hitting home runs every whatever ten at bats. Um, but in in terms of like, I think it was reasonable for some people to say, okay, we're seeing the beginning of a breakout, and I want to have him on my team so that it continues. Um, but what we've seen, I think, is him coming back to earth less like more so than than the regression you would have expected. Uh, and maybe more in line with what those tools said uh, of his abilities coming out of the minor leagues. Like, good player. Like, I'm not saying bad player, but certainly not like, okay, this guy might contend for a batting title. Yeah, I, I think that you're exactly right to nitpick in the correct direction. Um, his warts have historically been more in the direction of swing and miss, but good things would not miss. Yeah. Um you know, he's, uh, if, if you pull up his nice, pretty eye roll sliders, um, his, uh, <laughs> I'll just get that away from myself for a moment. Yeah, 11th percentile in whiff rate, uh, 11th percentile in K rate. Uh, notably, his strikeout rate is lower this year than it was last year, and his walk rate is better this year than it was last year. Um, so you've just seen him kind of get, like, less luck in some other ways uh which has put more attention on the batting average skills and strikeouts it's kind of funny that way it's like we just kind of expected he was who he was in some really unexpected ways it's like oh yeah like this dude who strikes out almost 30 percent of the time like that's not gonna be a problem right just yeah. <laughs> growth onto that uh his his bad luck this year if you like look at things like scrolling down to his page to his uh, 211 XBA to, uh, to the today's date. Um, one of the things that's interesting about that is it's driven in large part by some bad luck this year in terms of how many line drives he's been able to put together. Um, I always like to remind people, and I always I mean like at least twice an episode, it seems, that players have very limited control over their line drive rate in the long run. Um, you typically end up in the upper 20s over time. But if you are above or below a certain number in a particular year, that's usually a pretty good way to kind of get a grasp on whether a guy has been lucky or unlucky because it's just not going to happen again with any reliability. So this year, his line drive rate is a not all that pretty 22.3%. Okay. That's like 3% lower than league average. Last year during the regular season, it was like 2.5% above league average. Mm. Which is and a big swing basic- from one to the other, yeah, but it brings you yeah. to the average. And that's basically explaining the difference in his expected batting average. Right. You know, it's crazy, though. It's, he's still batting 274 this year, despite having an XBA of 211. His ability to just kind of, like, run hard and <laughs> be a little bit lucky in terms of, like, how things have actually gone has, like, been pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, like, there are some warning signs that uh he could have like a 250s batting average mm-hmm. and you know like 22 home runs and like 15 steals and basically be like slightly better Kevin Biggio projection yeah um and you know what he could also be way better than that sure and none of the playoffs last year would inform you about much of that and any sort of projection about who he is long term kind of has to take a couple of samples 
of stuff with a very, very big grain of salt and just try to toss it in with the rest of everything else and hope for the best. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so it's not that it's, his playoff performance doesn't matter. It just probably matters less in isolation than it does as a, a part of his collection of work. I mean, yeah, it, I think it's more accurate to say we overweight playoff performance mm-hmm. because everyone saw it. Um, it's and it was phenomenal. I mean, it was it was oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So not only God. did we see it, we saw it a hundred times, you know, on uh, through our Twitter feeds and and on highlight reels and all that. Um, yeah. You know, I, yeah, it's crazy. Like to put a comparison together, like you know, who's been almost that good in the playoffs more than once now is George Springer, and mm. like George Springer's average draft stock and everything else is like been over the course of several years, thanks to some injuries, somewhere less than fifty typically. And he has been that good, but he also had the track record of being that good before he did it in the playoffs several times. Mm. Uh, Rosarena didn't, and we drafted him roughly where Springer goes, um, and like by the end of the year at least. Mm-hmm. Um, whether yeah. that's deserved or not is uh, going to be up for debate here in about a month or two. Yeah, and right. uh, and that that leads us into what we're really trying to talk about in this entire episode, and that's what's this year's version of that going to be. You know, if, if we see somebody who really performs really well, are we going to be buying in? Is that going to make that player more expensive uh, next year in drafts? Um, if somebody who's been really good is bad, is that going to give us uh, pause and, and drop an ADP? Is that going to have influence? Um, what does this look like for established veteran players versus younger players? Uh, somebody who we have a lot of hope for, um, who's been pretty good, all of a sudden is amazing in the playoffs, kind of like a Rosarena. Are, is that going to is the, is the needle going to swing more so for a player like that than somebody who's been around for 10, 10 years, uh, who's been fine, but um, you know, and then lights it up in, in the playoffs. Um, and I think some of these things you, you can sort of see where this is going to go. We have some common mm-hmm. sense at play here for sure. Um, but I also think I really do, uh, and especially with younger players, I'll foreshadow a little bit here, especially with younger players. I think that these amazing playoff performances, uh, sit in the back of our minds, even a little unconsciously and really do get us overly excited where even if we say we think that ADP is overblown, we're still going to pull the trigger, um, or oh, yeah. we're going to oh, reach, yeah. and that's what's going to cause the ADP to to go up just because we're so excited to have that guy. And I think there are a lot of people who are very afraid of not being the guy with that young player on their team, and they're willing to to stretch that ADP, and they can justify it because, hey, he was awesome in the playoffs last year, so I don't feel stupid for doing it. I think there's something to be said about rostering and having an excuse to watch really exciting players that like doesn't win you your league but also and ready for some real tinfoil here may actually help you win your league because you're just more likely to watch baseball set your lineups (laughs) that's true that's true like if your entire roster is players on teams that you don't want to watch or just can't watch because they're blacked out or can't watch because they're on the opposite coast like if that's your case you're not going to watch them as often um, and that kind of sucks. Um, if you roster Fernando Tatis Jr. though, and you roster, um, I don't know who you maybe maybe you roster like some uh, Brewers pitchers that maybe you want to tune in and watch all the time. You know, you end up making some other moves along the way that might really help you out. You know, if you're rostering, um, 
I don't know, Brandon Woodruff. Maybe that got you to pull the trigger on some of the Brewers kind of like depth hitters who have panned out really well this year. Maybe you got Willie Adamas on a team. Um, so just like totally tinfoiling here, but I do think there's probably something to be said for making it more likely that you're going to enjoy playing fantasy sports by drafting cool guys. Uh, it does not make them more valuable. Right, right, right. It just right, makes right. you better, maybe. <laughs> no, it's, uh, that is a fair point. That's not getting factored into the the ranks or the uh, the auction calculators, right? Or the the, uh, the, the values. Right, and it shouldn't be. Um, but they're, I mean, it's like life, right, too. And there's, there's people mm-hmm. who measure their mm-hmm. success with their paychecks. And, and there's a lot of things that you can have in life that make you happy that you're not buying or, or that you have actually made the decision to, to give up salary to have. And, and so I think fantasy baseball, I, I really do think that, um, it's been driven lately by a lot of people who are doing it for betting or they're doing it for money-making or they're doing high stakes things. And there's a lot of pressure there and I get it. And I'm not, I'm not besmirching that at all. I think that if that's your thing and you're doing it, uh, where it's fun and you're not, you know, gambling to so much money that, that you're, you're putting yourself in a tough way, um, more power to you. That's not my thing, but I, I don't, take that away from anybody but I do think it impacts the way people are talking about it and I think it can take some of the fun away um I also think that uh this is something I've said for a long long time that uh losing in fantasy always feels much worse than winning feels good and most people aren't winning their leagues right one person is so um, it's also easy to unplug and, and, and be frustrated by it. And maybe if you have that guy on your team that gets you excited to watch that player, um, you know, it keeps you engaged a little bit longer. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. One of my home leagues, I started Oh, four and one. Um, and it was, it was awful. And I'm, I'm going to make the playoffs. You know, I, I've only lost one matchup since I had a lot of ties, which is un, uh, unusual, but what was your, uh, what was your secret secret weapon along the way? Uh, you know, who, honestly, uh, in in this case, it was it it was um, trying to go against my natural instincts. A lot of times in those situations, I would no, I seriously, it would be like a fire sale, or I'm cutting this guy. I actually stayed the course because I liked my team, and and they came around. I, I I brought in pieces, and somebody would maybe rage drop a guy, and I'd, I'd pick him back up. Uh, made a made a deal, mm-hmm. but I actually didn't overmanage, and I think that that was that's actually the opposite uh, of what I normally do. And in this mm-hmm. case, it panned out. But um, you know, it, it to to stay involved when you're you're talking about your first five weeks going poorly for you. It's hard. It really is. If you feel like you're out of it, especially if you feel like you have one of the best teams in the league and you have one of the worst records in the league, that's really difficult. So I think there are a lot of a lot of uh, this is a long winded way of saying I think there's a lot of benefits to having a team of players that you can root for that aren't going to show up in value necessarily or ADP or or whatever, but um, definitely have tangential impact on on your quality of enjoyment. Um, or level of enjoyment, I should say, uh, of the the fantasy baseball season. Um, what are some of the lessons that we can learn from, let's call it the Rosarena effect, um, looking forward to, to the teams that are are likely to make the playoffs? Um, and if if you're down, we can do it by division. We're gonna do it by division. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So good. let's start uh, with the American League, the AL East, and talk to me about a couple of people who are um, 
kind of like exemplars of this concept. Obviously, there's lots of people that this could happen to. Um, but I, I think a, a good place to start would be people who maybe their ADP was a little shaky or um, is kind of on, on the cusp of like we don't we, we are not really sure we know what this dude is all about and and the playoffs could kind of push it one way or the other. Yeah, I, I don't want to just include playoffs here. You know, we're here uh, September 1st as we're recording and, and I think this last month or so of the season, we probably should throw in here as like a pseudo playoffs, you know, like the stretch run guys that get some people in. This is also going to get lodged in our collective memories more so than other things. You know, people will quote like second half stats or last month stats or like this guy figured it out. So we got to draft him higher and throw out the previous four months. Yeah, right, right. Um, <laughs> and and justified or not, I'm going to say for some of these cases, the last month might be a more true talent example for some guys. It's possible. Um, one of the guys I so I would say part of this exercise is actually bored out of it going deep uh, from Jai Correa uh, that's on the site uh, from a few days ago about uh, Eduardo Rod- uh, Rodriguez, um, who I feel like is a really interesting all of the above here. I actually don't know if the Red Sox are going to make the playoffs. Uh, are you going to bet any money on the Red Absolutely Sox? Absolutely not. Making the... Nope. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that he, uh, I think that Eduardo Rodriguez would be a big part of why they would, if they do yeah. fact, make it, uh, um, because God, somebody has got to throw a ball at their catcher at some point. <laughs> um, but he's a really interesting example of kind of the concept here. We're looking for people who people are going to have, a whole lot of uncertainty about where they would be drafted as of September 1st, where one final memory that maybe does or doesn't deserve to have a whole lot of weight will translate to big swings in their ADP. Erod for me is a guy who, I mean, he actually is who he's kind of always been, but thanks to some really horrendous luck this year mm-hmm. and, you know, just also what I would say is cosmically some horrendous luck last year yeah, as well. Yep. Um, and it seems like he's fine. Yeah. Um, and thank goodness for that. That was a, that was a bad situation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 I'm glad that we can lump in, into this category and actually say, no, I trust it. You know, he had like a six ERA for a good a chunk of the year this year. Um, and Rodriguez's fundamentals all basically said he should not have an ERA under like four, basically. Or, or I mean, over four. Over four, yeah, yeah. His, yeah, yeah. And, and that's a huge discrepancy and yeah. one that's kind of like hard for a lot of people to parse. Um, it comes down to like how many of the guys that you um, allow to reach base end up scoring. And sometimes that's just bad timing. Sometimes that's inconsistent feel, I guess. But probably sometimes that's just bad timing and bad luck. And as a result, you know, even compared to his past self and everything else, it just didn't make any sense. Um, Jai wrote a whole lot about all the different mechanics here. There's a bunch of stuff about like the different speeds of his changeup um, and how he's kind of toyed with that, um, imparting different results. A fantastic read. I really suggest you go check it out. Um, but he definitely strikes me as a sort of person who people are going to have some opinions on next year, whether or not they should believe things. And I'm actually planning on using any arguments about erod is kind of a litmus test for who i want to like trust in some other ways you know <laughs> if you can't figure out you know if you're the sort of person who's like well look at his era he's not good i'm like okay cool next like i think we owe it to ourselves to have some people on there that are like if someone has the wrong opinion about someone you can kind of just like put some doubt on there and i really think that we owe it to ourselves to use uh trust in eduardo rodriguez to be like himself 
as a litmus test because it looks like a, he should be you know his he has a career best strikeout rate here yeah like that's incredible he's like striking out i'll pull it up correctly here because he deserves it um <laughs> he's striking out batters 27 and a half percent of the time here uh, on september 1st with a career low seven percent walk rate that is a 20.5 k minus bb and 21 is off cited as like the elite number um and he has a 5.12 at era yeah right by any reasonable signifier that should not be the case he doesn't have like any exceptionally terrible like batted ball numbers um like his hard hit rate is like at 35 percent, but when you're striking out that many people that's not that terrible his ex woba on contact is like 368 that's not anything different than it's ever been for him and he's just been unlucky so yeah he's the sort of person who i really think things could swing in an interesting direction um and I want to use him more as an exemplar for kind of like what we were looking for writ large for the sort of people who like one lasting impression can really change everything. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. How many of his games have you watched this year? Um, I have not actually seen uh, a lot of a lot of his his starts uh, clips and things like that, but I have not. You know, honest. I'm going to be honest. I haven't really watched a lot of baseball this this year. Um for various reasons like in, the, in in the traditional in like the sense of like for three yeah, hour yeah 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 it's just it's it's just too hard with everything else that i have uh going on at that time of night and, and all of that um but i i what i do think is interesting here is that there's a couple of ways right there, there's those guys who might become more expensive than they should be uh but if let's say the last start that erod has is not a great start it's just a, it's he just doesn't have it working um, and it's a, you know, let's say he gives up five earned runs over five innings, right? Uh, even six innings. Yeah, that's exactly what I would think of. Yeah. Right. Now, now, now what's going to happen bad. is he might be a real bargain uh, on draft day, right? Because that's the last thing people are going to remember. People are going to maybe uh, kind of do a, a, um, a surface level dive into the numbers and go, oh, ERA, oh, oh, right? And, and that's why I think that this is... We've talked about this before. There's not a ton of market inefficiencies left in in the way that people like do rankings and um and, and project people out. You know, people will have disagreements about where somebody goes in a rank, but I think if you look at a lot of experts, their tiers are going to be very very similar um, because people are really good at this. They're really good at going in and finding the the numbers and, and understanding what they really mean in in a, a context that is very similar to what major league clubs are doing. Um, but these are the places I, I and I, I hate to just say it's all recency bias, but that's basically what we're talking about um, is, is the impact of the last thing that you remember and, and how that's going to play, play up. So in this case, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think what you're saying here is that there's a potential that you could wind up with a pretty solid pitcher on your staff uh, next year at a, at a really reasonable ADP uh, because the optics are going to kind of um, uh, belie the the true talent and ability. Yeah, and I I picked him first really because I think he's one of the easiest cases of pointing this out. Um, it's if you want to pick like a like a five D chess here, not just four oh, D, like a five D chess <laughs> opinion here is that uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be the darling or the favorite of basically every analyst that we listen to and like to hear because everyone's going to have the same take. Because it's kind of obvious, actually. Like, 
like if you head to his Fangraphs page, um, Fangraphs War is based off of FIP, basically. So his FIP is, by the way, career best, 3.48. That's pretty good. His XFIP, 3.49. His XERA, 3.57. Those are all basically the exact exact same and three five in most projection systems comes out to be well above average and looks pretty good um yeah he's never had an era um below three eight one in his career by the way as 2019 era was his best that he'd ever been uh but yeah his his like model stuff always basically has put him as like a high threes era guy and here he is pitching better than he ever has and he's got a 66.8% left on base rate, which is a full 10% lower uh, than any other time in his career. His bat bip is 358. Um, that does not mean home runs, by the way. I like yeah, to point right, out with bat bip, right. right? Just as a reminder, that's just balls that are still in the park. Uh, yeah, no, like it's it's ridiculous. It's and, and that's the sort of thing is we want to make sure we can figure out who are the guys who are the less obvious version of this so we can continue to apply this logic. Yeah, so right. That's why I put him first. Anybody else in the A at least you want to touch on real quick before we move on to uh, Central? Yeah, um, very different story. And this is like a 90-second version that we can draw a different comparison. Uh, remember how good Nick Anderson was in many of our opinions <laughs> before he had extensive arm troubles? Um, I think this year's playoffs and kind of stretch run could have a very similar effect for Andrew Kittredge who I've already picked up in a couple of, like, save-and-hold leagues, and you should probably do the same. <laughs> he looks really, really good. Yeah. Um, if the Rays have a pretty good run, there's a good chance that he's the guy that ends up having the ball in a high-leverage situation. And, um, yeah, Andrew Kittredge is definitely a guy to watch as kind of, like, the face of all things. It would not shock me if he was the guy that ends up being the person who's like at the top of the closer depth charts for the Rays for all the fantasy sites and as a result gets drafted as like the 14th closer next year yeah. um despite the fact that he's not a closer he's a multi-inning reliever who can pitch in the eighth and ninth inning yeah um, yeah, yeah right right. anyways just want to note that I think there's a really <laughs> big potential that that happens and like we should have learned our lesson at this point don't draft raise closers but draft raised relievers if you're in relief pitcher but not closer leagues anyways, yeah 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 really strong chance there i think that he has an interesting um end of the season that spikes his value really really high yeah that's that's uh good to it's good to think about uh, i guess what we were talking about with erod is somebody who's going to definitely have the same role next year that he's had this year um talking about that situation you're talking you're you're, you're talking about thinking ahead uh, in terms of opportunity and role and, and that sort of thing, which is which is good because not everybody uh, does that. Not everybody does that. Uh, what about the AL Central? Um, well, there's only one baseball team left in the AL Central, right? <laughs> <laughs> they just play on the fields. They're scrimmaging themselves. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that at this point, um, there's the White Sox, and then there's like all of the other teams that are in the house leagues that the White Sox run. You know, did you play baseball in like a little hometown league where like there was one team that was better than all the other ones? <laughs> I, yeah, I it yeah. kind of depends upon who got the one one star player in the the whole uh, the whole local league. Yeah, um, I played in a local league where like there was a travel team, and then there were like four other teams that would rotate playing this travel team and each other. And if you just like were a kid who wanted to play baseball, you played on one of the local teams. And then the uh, the Rockwall Longhorns played like travel ball. And uh, they beat us by like 15 runs every three weeks. And they had a kid who threw 70 at like 12 years old. Um, <laughs> that doesn't sound like much fun for <laughs> the rest of the league. It wasn't. Um, yeah. That's what it feels like is going on in the AL Central. Yeah. Central. yeah. Um, 
So the questions are basically all going to be about the guys in the AL Central whose draft stocks are going to be wobbly. Um, it's really obvious to figure out who those people are. It's Eloy Jimenez and uh, Luis Robert. Mm. Um, and there are actually some really interesting things uh, to kind of like watch for them because they are actual developmental prospects in, in a sense still like you know they've been up we care about them but they're still making changes and figuring out who they are yeah and, and both the thing spent about a long a, layoff is you can make changes right they also both spent a lot of time on the shelf right um and yeah, that's an important thing too yeah muscles i guess we <laughs> might i don't know you always got like eight thousand of them um but you yeah, know i was gonna say i'm not the right guy to talk about muscles i the only time i realize that i have muscles is when i've pulled one by doing something i shouldn't have yeah um it's worth watching though the small sample reliability stats like chase rate and contact rate um for them as the the year goes on to see kind of like whether we can tell that they've gotten better and are making better decisions because both of them kind of had some like unsustainable profile loud skills um sort of conundrums you might remember that Eloy like doesn't walk ever um <laughs> and yeah like neither of them really do um so it's worth watching to see whether the Either of them can, like, I think at this point, small samples, Blues Roberts up his uh, contact rates both in and out of the zone by, like, a small but noticeable amount. And if that can keep up, that would allow his very aggressive style to play really well. Yeah. Which would be kind of cool. So, uh, you know, that's worth watching. Um, but, you know, they're kind of obvious. And the nice thing is, like, they're pretty much guaranteed at least three off play- three playoff games. Um, <laughs> so, like, there's a higher chance, you know, especially... You know, if they're in a situation where they're playing, I don't know, they're going to have like the second or third best record probably in the AL, so they'll play whoever else. I'm not sure that might be. But, you know, we could have a fun series with them. Um, and if they can just get one good matchup against a lefty where they look really good, we're going to have some fun discussion about yeah, that. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, I mean, matchups matter, right? Um, what about the uh, the AL West? I, I want to basically say the same thing, but in Astros colors, uh, <laughs> Alex Bregman. Um, yeah, no, I I think that when it comes to the Astros, they've actually had some really good health this year in a lot of ways. Um, Kyle Tucker's been out for longer than you wanted to for a couple stretches, but I mean, I think at this point, we know that Kyle Tucker's pretty good. Yep. Um, Altuve's back. Um, Correa's back. He's, he's, I don't know. He's going to be a free agent, so that's worth talking about in its own separate way. If he has a loud and really good uh, postseason, he might make himself a, a you know ten or twenty more million dollars if he's yeah. not careful. Um, <laughs> but I think Alex Bregman is, for fantasy purposes, one of the more intriguing uh, people to watch because remember a couple of years ago he had like a forty home run season. Um, a ton of those home runs were quite cosmically lucky in that he plays for Houston and the crawfish boxes are unfair. Mm. And he's just really good at pulling the ball down the left field line and depositing it in the, like, at the foul pole. Um, And he doesn't actually, like, you know, do a lot of things exceptionally, exceptionally well other than, you know, playing for a good team and that one skill. Like, he walks a lot. That doesn't always help us in fantasy leagues. Right. Um, So it's worth watching, though, if he can put together a nice stretch run, a competent postseason, and give people some confidence that he's like a top 50 pick if not there's an interesting situation where maybe his stock falls um and you might be able to get him a little bit later than you'd think uh because he's just spent so much time on the shelf and not being good over the past two years i mean he's he's good at baseball probably 
Well, I mean, if if his situation is aiding his his production and the situation's not changing, then even if he is getting lucky because of where he's playing, that is probably luck that's not quite as lucky. You know what I mean? What I'm getting at? Like it, it's yeah, maybe that's why I said cosmically. Yeah, lucky, you it's know? like repeat repeatable luck. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's like the the luck happened and he's still reaping the effects and we can predict that he still will. You know? Um, yeah, because he's still going to so play like, there now. If he if he winds up on a different team at some point in a different ballpark, if he's playing in St. Louis, we're talking about a totally different situation. Um, oh, yeah, and, for sure. and then that's where we have that you know the the narrative meets the data kind of a of a discussion. Um, you know, it's also worth kind of just throwing in because we haven't said it is he hasn't had a good season since the whole trash can thing. Yeah. Um, so um, I was I was gonna say it, and then I was, does, I was just gonna let it go. No, but, <laughs> no. If he does have a good end of the year, and basically everybody else in Houston that has kind of like been a major implicated player has had a good stretch since then. Yeah. Like Correa's been good. Altuve's been good. Springer's been good. Bregman's basically the only one who hasn't had an extended stretch of looking awesome since. And most of that, I think, is lack of opportunity because he's been hurt. Yeah, so, I mean, that'll do it every we'll see. time. Right? We'll see. Um, all right, let's move over to the National League. Um, let's start in the East. Okay. So the big question for me is uh, who's going to have that chance um, in the National League to uh, play the Brewers, probably. Mm. Um, and, like, look good uh right now it looks like it's gonna be atlanta yeah um i do want to kind of like throw a a quick 45 seconds of wow the mats huh uh out there first though <laughs> um, so um yeah wow the mats huh uh yeah i mean i what else do I, would, <laughs> we don't really need to do a deep dive I, I when i was growing up as a red sox fan um, this is the the late eighties, nineties, and and then the early two thousands before they wound up winning. It was, and and I would talk to my dad, who was a Red Sox fan his whole life, growing up in the fifties and the sixties. It was like, yep, the Sox are are always in it until September, and then they're gone. Right? It's it, they they tease you like that, and and this year for the Sox has actually been pretty reminiscent of that stretch, and I was kind of, it was bringing me back, <laughs> it was bringing me back to my childhood this year's Red Sox, but the Mets have really kind of taken over that that uh, title. Uh, I think that they do it even more regularly, where they there's all this hope, and and then things things just go wrong, and it's it's hard to understand why that keeps happening it's not it can't be the people because it's happening with different people it's now happening under new ownership um it's very interesting we actually are going to circle back to the mets uh in our past fail segment so we don't have to go too far down in the rabbit hole of the separate from performance kind of of discussion because we will have some time for that at the end but my goodness to be a mets fan uh it's it's just hard it's got to be hard it's got to be frustrating, um, and it, it. I really think probably this season, especially so, because there was so much hope with like the changeover, right? And and things are going to be different now. The Wilpons aren't in control, and and now's our time to shine. And look at the moves that we've made, and the pitchers we have. And my goodness, Mets fans, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I just want to throw out. Um, there, there's a lot of space yet for our collective opinions on Conforto and Lindor and Baez to kind of like 
swing around in some different directions, there's some room for them to not do that as well. We could end up just seeing them be who we kind of now understand they are and are, are like faith that our last couple years of data is accurate could be accurate. I, I, uh, I want to say a really embarrassing thing out loud. I traded Marcus Simeon Mm-mm. and uh, who else is it? Um, Doesn't really matter Marcus... who else, honestly. <laughs> oh, no, no. It gets worse. Um, who's the Brewers third ace? Um, the former reliever? What's his uh... name? Well, I traded both of them for yeah. uh, Conforto in a keeper league and uh, the collective salaries for... Um, for Semyon, and I cannot believe I'm forgetting this, and I, I owe it to myself to Google this I was right going to try and do it for you, but my mouse has gone to sleep, so uh, I'm going to just try and fill but, some but, space for a moment. Uh, I thought you had it, so I stopped filling space. Freddie Peralta. There you yeah. go. Uh, I oh, traded, man. There we go, yeah. Yeah, so I traded Freddie Peralta, who I can keep next year. I could have kept next year for uh seven bucks and uh, Semyon who I could keep next year for like 20 bucks for uh, Conforto who I will not be keeping next year at $25 sure, and yeah, uh, definitely not. Um, I am still not I'm still like a half point out in this week as a result of that and I just cannot believe my horrendous luck um, but yeah no it, it's really just a case of like with with all three of them do we buy into them I've looked back in Conforto now he had some really good line truck line drive luck last year and uh, you know with Lindor, it was he had, was really good at pulling the ball out of the park in a couple corners in Cleveland, and everywhere else he was pretty good. And he hit a lot of doubles and he stole a lot of bases. And he's not been himself, and I can't really explain it other than maybe himself was always a bit of an artifact and yeah. maybe some juice ball juice ball nonsense. Maybe and now the ball's less juice. He's fallen off. He's kind of always kind of like a volume like go for the corners guy but somebody like him though in this huge discrepancy you have to i for me i have to wonder two things one new team um is there some is there some sort of uh a a human element to that right like i'm trying too hard or i want to impress people or you know this big move upset my family and 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 you know we're at each other all the time that sort of stuff it bothers us when we go to work it bothers them when they go to work too and number two, injury. You always wonder if there's some sort of unreported nagging injury that's just, I mean, at that level, a half a second is all it takes. And if you're a little sore all year long, uh, you can't push off properly or your mechanics are flawed and you're tweaking things left, right, and center during the course of the year, it's going to have an impact too. And a lot of those guys are not going to come out and say that um, because they're going to play through it. So, I, I mean, there's also the possibility that it's just, it's it, there's another reason, but those are the two things that that pop into my mind right away, and that makes it to the point of this entire episode really difficult to know what you're going to do with those guys next year at come draft time, and if all of a sudden Lindor is lights out amazing in the playoffs, let's say the Mets make the playoffs, um, and and Lindor, <laughs> what if Lindor is lights out amazing for the next month? and drags the Mets to the playoffs. Yeah, right. Like, that's... Uh, you're going to see an enormous right impact. I don't know. I don't think he is. What's that? I, I think he's hurt right now, uh, still. Um, I got to double-check that. But, you know, create this example here where he's he plays and he hits, like, a home run a day for the entire... Yeah, game, I mean, right? the entire exercise is probably theoretical anyway because I don't he's, think he's, he's going to do right it. Now. But the, the idea is somebody like that, uh, I could see his ADP for next year as it stands right now being pretty low 
Um, and I would, I'd be picking him. Um, I would probably have him like in the forties or fifties at highest. Do you remember where Machado was going? Um, after his first poor year, I don't recall. Um, no, but no, like I'm, I'm just asking you in general, because like yeah, he yeah, was yeah. going in the fifties. Oh, so. okay, it was rhetorical. I Sorry, I didn't mean to jump yeah, in and yeah, try yeah. and answer your rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I would actually think often in the fifties, it's going to be worse than that. Uh, oh, it wouldn't shock me because there's a lot. Of, I think there's a lot of people who who got burned. I think there's a lot of uh, attention on him now that he's in New York as well. Um, it would not surprise me if that if that's really low. And what if he what if he lights lights it up during the playoffs? If he has an Arena type playoff, I I think that you could talk you could be seriously be talking a forty fifty spot discrepancy in ADP next year. So uh, you know okay. he's not he's not a rookie, but I feel like because of his situation that a small sample size of good is going to really, really shift the, uh, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Tilt the, the tables. That's not the right word either. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let, let me throw this at you. Over, like, through the moment that I'm looking at stats up, which won't include any stats he's accrued tonight, so basically through uh, August 31st, um, last year to that point, he has accrued... Um, 660 plate appearances which is about a full healthy season mm-hmm. that is 155 games played that's pretty good yeah he um in those two like full basically full year he has 19 home runs and 16 stolen bases um that is let's see that is also 80 runs scored and oh wow that is 65 rbi over the last two years mm um yeah that is uh that is waiver wire production uh yeah. well actually no that's a little better it's than probably, waiver wire yeah, production. that is five to ten dollar production depending on your league it's certainly not what you paid for if you're invested in lindor yeah he's also uh he had a 102 wrc plus last year he's at 91 yeah that's on the year now which is uh, uh, that is less than waiver wire right yep well it depends the steals I guess it depends on format and stuff, but I mean, so let's just, instead of trying to to make assumptions, if we talk about that, that's less than the average player, right? Yeah, I you could yeah I could actually know like I I know I know what that is for twelve team and based with the batting average, we're talking five to ten dollars. Okay, yeah. still, I mean, again, yeah. the the main 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 point here being not what you paid for Lindor, not what you're going to pay for Lindor mm-hmm. next year. Uh, or, or that is what you're probably going to pay for Lindor next year, unless something else happens. And I, I do think that yeah. he could buy back a lot of um, a lot of ADP if he were to go on fire in the last six weeks of the season, or last even like including playoffs, right? Like the last two weeks of the season into the playoffs, that kind of thing. So I, I don't know. I think I feel like the biggest movers here are the young players, but then there's these these veteran players that are have been awesome and are suddenly not good. That's also uh, a place where where uh, you're going to see a small sample size be really influential, I think. Yeah. If we want to stay on that and head to the NL Central, yeah. a guy I wasn't planning on talking about extensively, but I think um, fits into that category is uh, Christian Yelich. Yeah. Um, for all the obvious reasons here. Um, I was actually planning on talking about some different guys, though, in the NL Central, because like, you can basically just say everything we just did for Yelich. Yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah. But the NL Central, I feel like, is probably the division that has the teams with the least amount of national coverage who are likely to play meaningful and interesting games. Um, so basically, the Rosarena Rays effect, 
will be shining very brightly on the Brewers hitters and potentially the Reds should they make um, the wild card game. If they could win that wild card game, which would be crazy because they might like, <laughs> knock off the Dodgers. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. Do, do you remember um, in April when we decided not to throw any fab money at Jonathan India? Uh, I do, I do, and I'm gonna I'm gonna confess to you at this point. <laughs> I I acquiesced to that, and I really, really, really wanted to grab him, and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I, no, that's on me. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna follow in Alex's footsteps here, and listen, it's not to blame you, whatever. It's 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 not the end of the world, but at the time, I was like, oh, I, I oh, I don't know. I really want this guy on my team. Um, but, uh, I don't know that how much of a difference he would have made for us, but, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and listen, I can, I can take that half a victory lap on like, oh, I was right and you were wrong, but who knew then who knew that? And there's a lot of people who were right and a lot of people who were wrong. And there were a lot of wrong people who grabbed him anyway. And a lot of right people who just couldn't squeeze him in. So, I mean, whatever it is what it is, but Jonathan India, I think is, is, is a perfect example of what we're talking about here. So tell us more about him. So I think the interesting thing about Jonathan India is that he's just been really consistently good and both in the fantasy way and the real life way. And I don't hear his name show up that much outside of like the trivia channel on Pinterest. Like (laughs) he's been good. But if you want to talk about like young, exciting national league, second baseman, he's never the name who comes up first. Like, you're always going to hear about Jazz Tizzle first. Yeah. Um, and, and not to he's knock. significantly Jazz. better he's than been, Jazz Tizzle. He's been great. Yeah. But yeah, and India is not getting yeah, he, his due. Jazz has, been, Jazz has been like a one and a half war on the year or so, maybe a little bit less than that. Um, and he hasn't been playing the whole year. There's been some parts where he's out hurts, sure. et cetera, et cetera. But like, you know, he's on, on pace to be like a solid major league starter. Jonathan India is like, on pace for a season that you would expect out of an all-star mm. uh, he's like on pace for something in the realm of like three plus war like not solid all-star but at least all-star bench sort of yeah yeah solidly above average and on top of that you have a significant number of stolen bases and like those that war number is like park adjusted mm. uh, he plays in a fantastic hitters part on a pretty good offensive team like everything you could want i just don't feel like he's had that major media buzz yeah that would put him in a position to really inflate some stock and get some people excited you know he was a good but not outstanding prospect Mm -hmm. and here here we are like he's i think he's the sort of guy that could really really benefit from one clutch hit yeah just where everybody's watching just just that everybody's gonna see it yeah no, we're we're talking the difference of five feet of like flight on a ball like, going over someone's head or it's like to the left of a left fielder or something like that, and him like getting an RBI, um, in a wild card game could. I'm I'm not kidding here when I say something like that could put him in, into the consciousness, get people to actually look at him and bump his ADP up. Sure. Oh yeah, I I I hundred percent believe that. Uh, mostly because right now I think his ADP is going to be criminally low. Um. Yeah, actually, I think it would not shock me at all if he's the sort of guy that you will hear us talking about if the Reds don't win that wildcard game or don't make the playoffs if the Padres figure out how to pitch or something like that. <laughs> More on that in a second. Um, but yeah, he's the sort of guy, like, it screams out, you know, this guy's been really good. It looks real enough. 
yeah so i just want to say he's a sort of guy and then let's let's throw that back to the brewers and the other way they've had a couple other guys who have been exceptionally good same concept exact yeah, right, same right. concept willie adamas has been just lights out since he's not been playing games in tampa mm-hmm. like he was always good on the road for tampa which is really funny and then suddenly all of his games are not in tampa and he's excellent <laughs> um so same concept I- i'm gonna grab adamas in a couple of leagues next year for sure yeah 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 i don't think you'll be alone in that um all right let's go to our last division the nl west and uh let's let's talk about what you see there yeah i i said uh padre uh, padres pitching and it's like it's gonna get attention I just want to say it. It's going to get attention. So, like, Blake Snell's had two good starts in a row. Um, that's kind of... I, th- I think he's, like, one who I think, like, those sorts of effects are going to be, like, the most dramatic for. But, like, you know, they're going to have plenty of eyes on them in the stretch run. Uh, and if they can make it to the wild card game, cool. If not, well, that's a whole other baseball discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I, I think it, this all actually... We should just kind of go ahead and say, uh, regardless of how that goes... Um, big, big, big credit to the Giants and especially their coaching staff for just getting the absolute most out of a whole lot of guys who needed some better coaching to get the most out yeah. of them. Uh, yeah, like it's incredible what like Darren Ruff is doing. I mean, uh, yeah, so. the Giants. I don't. I, I would love to go back to the beginning of the year and see all the, you know, the. Uh, I, I'm going to say talking heads. I don't mean it like as a negative, but. Yeah, everybody yeah. was saying in terms of their like predictions right even bold predictions how many people had the giants even on their radar yeah and you know it, it's really funny um the white Sox hit away their pitching coach uh you know whose pitching staff has been way better than expected this year <laughs> the white yeah. Sox. um you know it, it's interesting you just hire the guy employed by smart people and then tell him to do the thing that he was previously doing things change uh and you know, I, I don't know how much there is to say about, like, are there going to be any Giants players that are going to have their stock rise? It wouldn't surprise me if, like, you know, uh, Brandon Belt has some national attention. Brandon Belt was so good in 2020. <laughs> like, we're talking, like, near 1,000 OPS, I think, last year or something stupid like that. Now, it's aided by the fact that he's mostly platooning and he's getting a lot of rest. But if you're in a league where you can take advantage of that, here we have two years on that, like, a lot of their guys are performing well preparing well for limited roles and just doing really 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 bad things to baseballs <laughs> yeah. in a good way yeah again you know, league like, specific and so, format specific but uh definitely a place where you can take advantage if you have the flexibility to, to make those daily moves and deep enough uh, benches to hold on to players like that all right uh, i'd like to move into pass fail and then we'll we'll punt off the books uh to to next week or, or beyond uh, but I really think that we have to come back to this this moment in baseball history, and I want your take because I, I feel like there's a chance we're gonna we're not gonna see eye to eye on this one, um, and that is this phenomenon that has come out of the New York Metropolitans baseball team of uh, being angry at the fans for booing them, so that when they do something good, they thumbs down the fans, uh, because as Javier Baez put it, if they're going to boo us when we do something bad, we're going to boo them when we're successful. I'm paraphrasing, but that's sort of what he said. And there was actually a lot of people who came out and like were bashing what Baez said, and a lot of people who kind of rushed to his defense. I was surprised by that. 
And one thing that I noticed, uh, not to overgeneralize, but I do think there was a bit of a generational divide on on the camps there. Um, and since we have a generational divide on this here pod, uh, I'm very interested to see what your your thoughts are on the situation with the Mets players. Uh, you know, it, it's very common on teams these days that when they get doubles or big hits, they go out there and have a gesture back to the dugout, and they come up with that probably in in spring training, and they use it throughout the year, and I'm all for that. Uh, this one, though, is like directly targeted at the fans, and I guess I'm hinting a little bit how I feel about it. Um, but I'm very curious as to as to your thoughts on on this, and and not not the celebration, but the the element of the fans. So. Um, the direction I'm going to take this may be different than you think it is, but uh, the target of my ire are like the Steve Cohen fanboys who are really just kind of like vaguely repackaged Elon Musk fanboys. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the the fans who are doing this sort of stuff are the people who like tend to go into like people's Twitter mentions and say stuff like Steve Cohen's a billionaire and he knows how to do things and he's really smart because he has a $14 billion, whatever it is. And um, one, that's not how that works. Two, that's still not how that works. <laughs> and three, <laughs> he's not paying you. You don't have to say those right, things. Right, right. Um, right. Um, the Mets organization is the the root cause here. The players, the fans are pitted against each other. But the problem is fundamentally that a team traded for someone like Javi Baez, who has not been very good at baseball, and told their fans that this is the guy that was going to make them better. Yeah, right. Um, That's a lot of pressure to put on Do you know what him? Javi Baez's like, zone rate is since he's been traded? Uh, no, I do not. He is... Uh, he's seeing about a third of the pitches that he's getting are actually in the zone. That is lowest in the league by like a considerable margin. Because he keeps swinging um, at them. Yeah, exactly. It's like the <laughs> NL Central like didn't bother to realize that Javi Baez will swing at anything, and like there would be this constant like fantasy analyst people for like fastball years are like, yeah, Javi Baez is like a really terrible strikeout rate and like whiffs at everything, and he still has a fine batting average and gets a bunch of home runs, and it seems like we can still draft him, right? And they're like, yep, and then he performs pretty well, and then it, and then the next offseason you're like, yeah, but like this seems like it's all a little bit fake and shouldn't work, and you're like, yep, are we still gonna draft him in like the third round? Yep. And here we are. <laughs> the NL Central is like, hey, you, you remember all those things that people said in like all of like the takes three seconds to research at fantasy podcasts that was like accurate for the last school years? What if we just actually built our game plan around not throwing him pitches that he can hit for home runs? And lo and behold, the not NL Central like is making a fool out of, you know, this team that looks considerably like out of their depth in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So yeah. do I blame these baseball players who are probably not being prepared all that well? I would not shock me at all if the Mets players are getting significantly below league average preparation and like analytical performance help. It would not shock me at all if like the expectations being lofted them from the front office are just built on just nothing at all. Right. So like, do I blame the, the players for like celebrating their successes when they are being taunted by, fans who are being driven by this no i don't blame them at all um and honestly i don't hate the fans either um they're being told what to believe by someone who thought they could buy success and bought javi Baez with their money so yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I listen. That is a little bit of a different angle. It's a bad place than I than I thought you were going to take. Uh, I shouldn't have been all that surprised that it was going to be more of an anti ownership opinion. But um, <laughs> I, I'll say this: I yeah. I don't love when fans boo their team. I don't. I I I don't think it's. Um, I don't think it's productive in any way. I, I, the players obviously know they're underperforming. You booing them is not going to give them some great realization or some epiphany in the dugout. Oh, God, these guys are booing us. Maybe we should try and actually win games, right? Like, there's not really anything productive. It's more about venting. I think, honestly, I think it has a lot to do with mob mentality in a stadium. One person does it. Uh, maybe there's some some uh, uh, light beverages involved. Uh, and people just kind of engage in this behavior. Uh, so I don't love that. But at the same time, uh, I really, really hate players attacking their fan base. I have no problem with them celebrating it. I don't even care if they want to do it like like outlandishly, like ridiculously. Um, and in the clubhouse, they talk about how they all understand that that's, that's kind of their... Uh, giving it back to the to the fans but that's like your fan base I just it's just such a disrespectful thing to and and maybe the rest of the team was like like Javi you're not supposed to say that part out loud I don't know um but the idea that hey you're gonna boo us we're gonna boo you when we do something good like that that's just not the kind of relationship you should want to have with your fan base uh regardless of whose fault it is and, and I think what you're saying makes a ton of sense but I just think it's a terrible optic and and um, it's not about being anti-player. Uh, I think players should be able to have their own culture, and I think they should be competitive, and I think they should be upset if the fans boo them because they shouldn't be okay with all of it. They shouldn't be okay with showing up and losing games. They shouldn't be okay with with you know uh, poor performances. Um, but at the same time, to like just blatantly flaunt the fact that like. I'm kind of a little bit upset about something that happens in all sports and all places that really athletes should have become accustomed to is the wrong, long, wrong way to say that something that they should, they, they should be able to tune out, right? If you're an outfielder, you're hearing stuff all the time and you're able to tune it out and get underneath the ball and make catches and and do your thing and, and move on with your life. Um, I would have liked to see the players have found a pro player way to celebrate the good things they are still doing as they deserve to do without kind of stooping to that like lowest common denominator of uh, of getting into this tit for tat with ands. I, I, I just I, I don't like it. And maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about that, but I, I don't like that at all. I'd much rather see them do something for themselves to build themselves up and, and feel good about what they're doing and, and give the fans a chance to come around, right? Like if all of a sudden you're doing a lot of great things, the fans are going to stop booing and it's going to be a better atmosphere and a better place. Now there's this lingering thing, right? People are always, and I, I really think the people, Mets fans are always going to remember Javi Baez coming out and basically kind of being like, screw you guys. Like, I don't. I, I don't know. Uh, I just, it didn't hit me the right way. And maybe I just need more time to process it. But I, I just think there's more productive, mature, professional baseball kinds of ways of, of doing that sort of thing. Um, so that's the element. It's not so much that like, I, I love the, what the fans are doing. I don't. Uh, and it's, it's, it's not so much that I don't think players should be able to, to celebrate their success. I absolutely do. And, you know, they shouldn't they shouldn't go to their workplace and have a bunch of people being childish to them either. But the solution isn't like 
stooping to their level. Like they go back to two wrongs don't make a right. You know, I don't know. It sound really uh, contrived and and uh, parenty of me. Um, but I, I don't know. That's that's kind of where it hit me. But I, I do think that your point is yeah yeah, yeah I get, I get is well made in terms of like this is actually a symptom of a much larger problem, and that problem is the poisonous tree, not the not the fruit, and and that's the the organization. And, and it it does kind of strike me as very odd that we have new ownership and the same old problems. Like uh, it just it's very very odd to me. Yeah. It- I'm going to go on a really strange tangent here for just a second. Roll with me. I okay. promise this makes sense, okay? Yes. Okay. So um, I watch a lot of baseball. Um, I also watch a lot of soccer. Um, I am, a, I, regrettably, a, at times, a, a Tottenham Hotspur fan. Um, they are arguably, like, the fifth biggest team in England. Okay. Um, in terms of, like, payroll and, like, historical success or recent success at least i would say about like the fifth biggest team um and they're like in a like a, a class below the other four biggest teams but like considerably above most of the other anyways we bought this player for like a near club record fee um about five years ago his name is musa sissoko um musa sissoko was really big and really strong and didn't make very good positions and was very technically unskilled um and for some reason, we paid more money than we'd basically paid ever for him. And he was not good for the first two years he played for the club. Uh, they tried to play him as a winger, but if you're not good at dribbling the ball, you're not going to be a good winger. Um, so it didn't work. Um, and then that really reset the expectations around him. Now, there were a lot of like ironic, jeering chants towards him. Um he didn't really get he, there were moments when players get booed in soccer and it's mostly deserved i will say um i would say the fan culture that you kind of like take in from across the pond is very interesting but um he had a really good two-year run though uh one and a half year run uh where he got moved elsewhere and all of those other sh- like shortcomings got ignored because he tried really hard and our opinion of him got changed um Musa Soko is in a lot of ways to me very similar to Javier Baez. He is very limited. He does a few things fantastically well, and he is kind of a cult of personality mm. as much as he is actually a skilled athlete. And um we recently sold him. Uh the transfer window closed yesterday. Mm. Uh, we tra- sold him a few days ago and he got to play actually against us. He plays for Watford now. Sold him for like uh, 3 million pounds. Um and he got to do like a lap of like honor essentially around the stadium. Like the fans all cheered him. It's like the fact that he was never particularly good, <laughs> which is all basically down to the expectations that were set and who's getting to set those expectations. Um, the Mets kind of like understanding of themselves as a club is not being determined by the fans right now. And it's ultimately kind of unfairly not being determined by the players. It's getting determined by the amount of money that Steve Cohen has made by like defrauding investors and other things like that and that's really really kind of terrible in a lot of ways that like this is the person of all people Mm. that they have to build themselves around in terms of like the person that like they look up to and uh i really look forward to uh francisco lindor being a considerable part of the players unions uh negotiations last season it is very clear that he cares a whole lot Mm. about the players here not being thrown under the bus by management unfairly. Yeah. Um, and that's actually, I think the biggest and most important takeaway for me 
is that his priorities are to his teammates and he has not played with these teammates long and he cares about them deeply and i respect the hell out of him for that yeah and that is the most important thing to me yeah i think that's a totally fair point and i'm glad that i I, uh was willing to follow you down that rabbit hole i think that was a good one i think it's a good comparison honestly um and you don't need to know anything about soccer um and on top of it uh i believe that uh that in ted lasso they just played Tottenham Hotspur in one of the recent episodes. So th- anything that makes me think about Ted Lasso uh, is is a good thing. Um, and that is going to bring us to the end of this episode. So uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you to all the new listeners. You know, if you can subscribe and review and, and uh, share and, and tell people about us, uh, all the better for it. So uh, thank you very much, Alexander, for our 31st episode now in the books. Uh, so far, the tornado has not taken me away. And uh, hopefully I'll have a chance to put this episode together before that happens. And uh, if you could just let the people know where they can find us. Well, they can find you on Twitter at the corked mat. I'm on Twitter at chase underscore rate. And most importantly, you can find our podcast on Twitter at dugout study hall, where you can send us some questions. Please be sure to subscribe to the Pitcherless podcast feed. If you haven't done that already, leave us a good review. If you can be so kind and If you're not already, please consider becoming a PL Plus member so that you can harass us on the PL Discord. And that's it for me. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.